Charting Toward Intimacy covers mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey there, welcome to Charting Toward Intimacy, where we're expanding the natural family planning conversation. I'm your host, Ellen Holloway. Before we jump into this episode, um, Ellen Mitchell, my guest, and I had such a fantastic conversation that we continued on for a very long time. And I decided to cut this into two separate episodes that are each about a half hour in length so that it's not too overwhelming. So this is part one of our discerning methods episode. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I have with me Ellen Mitchell today, which is super fun because which is a bunch of Ellen's on the podcast today. Um, and we are discussing uh, discerning the right method for you. So this is kind of the final episode in our series of uh, fertility awareness method types. We've had three episodes before this. We've had a mucus only episode. We've had a symptohormonal episode. We've had a symptothermal method episode. And so now we're bringing it all together and we are bringing you a list of questions to ask yourself and things to think about as you're trying to decide what is the right method for you. So before we jump into that, Ellen, would you uh, introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Ellen one. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Ellen two. (laughs) We we were just saying that, like, I I think it's going to be a good thing that everyone's going to know Ellen Holloway's voice because it'll be easy to figure out who's the guest and and who's the host. (laughs) Yes. Even though we'll just keep calling ourselves Ellen because that is our name. Go by a pseudonym just this once, but I don't think. Yeah, what's your middle name? One. We could just go by middle names. Oh, we could. It's Marie, but I think all that's right, a great. common one. Are we in trouble there? No, we're not. It's all good. <laughs> Mine's Isabel. So, <laughs> all right, we get to we get to be other people today. Um, so, my name is Ellen Mitchell. I am a Creighton model for care practitioner intern, which is a long way of saying saying that I teach Creighton. So, though I personally use the Creighton model and teach it. Using Creighton is not the beginning of my NFP story. So I think there are a lot of very valid reasons to want to switch methods um, or to feel like the method you're using isn't right for you and right for your marriage. I think those are all valid concerns. They're really common. And sometimes we aren't sure who to ask or who to look to. Um, and so I think, I think that's really going to be the value of this episode, which will be really nice because these are normal, natural questions. And, you know, hopefully we can, we can provide some help in trying to figure out what to do. Right. I think that's really the biggest goal of this series. And, and really this episode in particular is knowing that um, there are many options available um, and it is okay to switch. It's okay to ask questions. Um, it's okay to just stop and pause and say, is my method working well for me? Is this what I want? Um, and, and then to realize that sometimes a method is going to work for a certain period of your life. And then you need to switch methods because things have changed and that's okay too. And so on that, um, like I said earlier, we've got this list of questions and we're going to, these, this list is going to be in the show notes. Um, and then also if you want a, a pretty PDF version of it with some space for notes for yourself, send me an email, my emails in the show notes, and I would be happy to send that to you. Um, so the first question on this list is 
how regular are your cycles? Um, and regular is kind of essentially a range of maybe 23-ish to 35-ish. It really, lots of methods to find that in different places. Um, and, and do you want to seek metal, medical help for regulating your cycles? There's a, so there's a lot to this question. <laughs> so let's talk about that. What, what are your initial thoughts on this question, Ellen? So, you know, (laughs) Ellen too here. Um, So I think, you know, we're often not asked to make decisions based on like our short-term goals or desires, but this question kind of leads us to ask, like in the short-term, what am I looking to do with NFP? Like, why am I wanting to chart? Because if you think, you know, I, I think something's a little off or I have a known fertility gynecological concern, that really changes the direction that charting your fertility goes. So I think if you are looking for medical help regulating your cycles, NAPRO technology is going to end up ultimately being where you go for that gynecological help. A lot of NAPRO physicians will accept charts from different methods. So like a symptothermal chart is fine, but often they'll want you to switch to Creighton. Mm -hmm. So you don't, I would say you don't, you don't necessarily have to be charting with Creighton if you want help regulating that cycle. Um, But I would certainly say you're going to have to use some method with some instruction, particularly to just determine what is in bounds of normal and what isn't. Right. So if you're, if you're having this question, um, w- probably the two methods that I would point you in the direction of would either be Creighton, um, because it has the entire NAPRO technology aside to it, um, or FEM because FEM has uh, FEM health attached to it. And there are specific FEM doctors there. Um, and so the, if that's specifically something you're looking to do, you're like, I feel like there's something off here. I feel like I need to regulate my cycle in some way, or I have really, I have specific medical questions. Look toward those two methods that very specifically have a medical management component to them. Absolutely. I think too, one of the big signs that it might be time to switch methods is if the method that you're using is not working for you in that it's not making sense, you're not seeing the patterns that you've been taught to look for. If that's not happening, that might be a sign that, you know, you're not able to see what you need to see because there's, there's some dysfunction there that's popping up. Right. Um, So that often is a big, a big sign of like, okay, this is really not, this isn't looking how I thought it would look. Maybe I need to find a way to look at this differently. Right. Because in, in the basic instructional model of, of every method, you're going to look at sample charts, um, for typical cycles. And so if you're, if you're not seeing most of those typical things, um, yeah, it might not be the right method for you. And of course the first place to go would be to talk to your instructor and make sure that you are understanding how to chart with that specific method. Um, but yeah, I, I've heard many stories of women who are like, my, my chart was completely unreadable. Mm-hmm. And that's simply because there was some hormonal imbalance or something along those lines. And 
the method they were using was not helping them to identify what that problem was. Mm -hmm. So again, those, those two methods that have medical management components to them, that's going to be a really great place to go. Um, if you're having those questions or if maybe you even haven't even started charting yet, but you're like, I don't have regular cycles. I just know I don't have regular cycles. I think I want to start there. Great. Start in one of those two. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So let's move on to the second question is cost a factor. Ooh, this is such a, this is a, there's a lot to this question. I feel like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So I think first we all know, you know, NFP as much as we wish it was free and simple, it's (laughs) certainly less expensive than any of your other alternatives, Mm -hmm. but you know, there is, there is going to be some cost to you. Most instructors in most all methods do offer a sliding scale. There's no one, you know, there's no one teaching these, these methods who wants cost to ever be a barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say one of the other things I was thinking about with this question is if cost is a big factor in choosing a method of fertility awareness, you might not want a method that utilizes femtech. Right. So that would be kind of our symptohormonal methods, mm-hmm. um, right, things that use a monitor or mm-hmm. even, uh, even if they just, if you're just using a protocol with, um, LH test strips, um, those are, right. that's still, that's going to be an ongoing cost. Now the cost ongoing isn't exorbitant. No, not at all. But if you, if cost is really absolutely a factor then look into a method that once you learn the method, that's kind of it. Like you, you have completed. You're just autonomous the, now. Yeah. Once, once mm-hmm. you become autonomous, there isn't an ongoing charge, except of course, for, you know, a chart check, or if you've uh, changed to a different reproductive category and you need to uh, learn, you know, new protocols for a different time of, of your reproductive life, say postpartum, perimenopause, things like that. That's a different, that's a totally different category. That's not what we're talking about, but we're talking about like when you become autonomous, once you have learned the method and you feel very confident in charting and you feel confident in the signs that you are uh, seeing and observing and what you're putting down and you feel confident in um, making those interpretations on your chart, at that point, and there's no other ongoing cost, that would be a method to really look into if you're really concerned about cost being a factor. And so that would, that would really be your, your mucus only, um, and your symptothermal, um, methods. Cause once, once you're done with the upfront cost on there, anything beyond that is going to be zero to minimal. That's right. Yeah. I think if you've gotten to a place with the method that you're using, where, not only are you able to interpret, as you mentioned, the patterns that you're seeing, but when you feel that you're confidently using the data for decision making, that's that's big. That's yes. You know, you're if you're able to do that without feeling like you need to run the information by someone else, you're there. You're you're autonomously charting. That's a big that's a big hurdle that that feels really great for most people. I think. <laughs> yes, definitely. I'm not. I'm not sure I was autonomous charting until like I went through my instructor training process, honestly. 
Uh, yeah, I feel so the that same was, way. Yeah. That was months after I learned. So yeah. don't feel like you need to become autonomous after like three months. That's not how it works. I mean, maybe right. somebody is. Right. And that's awesome. And that's why most me- most methods, you know, provide instruction for, for longer than that. Because it's right. You know, yeah. Mo- most methods, as if you've listened to the last couple of episodes, um, we kind of talked about what the basic uh, structure of the classes are and what the follow-up structure and pretty much everyone had a follow-up structure of somewhere between six months to a year to kind of indefinite, um, depending on the method. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Anything else about cost that you want to talk about? Hmm. Uh, so one thing, so people will often ask, can I use health insurance? Mm, that is a good, yeah. My instruction for the most part, uh, I think you can use funds in a health savings account. Yes. Most of it, it depends on the instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially if your instructor is a, um, a medical practitioner in some way, um, mm-hmm, so like a medical consultant or yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're, if you're learning with say Marquette, which we learned that all anyone who teaches Marquette has to be, um, a medical professional in some capacity. So a lot, a lot of Marquette instructors are, um, nurses or physicians, assistants, things like that. Um, a lot of times you can use money in a, in an HSA. Um, but that would be a question to talk to the instructor about, um, because not all of them would know how to be reimbursed through your HSA process and things like that. Um, a lot of instructors, um, if they're outside of the methods that do require, um, require you to be a, um, medical professional in some capacity. We're just regular people. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just a regular old person in California who wanted <laughs> to help other people learn how to use the symptothermal method. Um, I would have no clue how to, uh, use money from an HSA personally, right. but I think other, other instructors, um, especially if they're affiliated with a doctor's office in some way, um, mm-hmm. they, they would. And so those are just, those are questions to ask the instructor that you're considering um, reaching out to. Yep. Yeah. It's a good question. It it comes up a lot. I would also say ultimately for most people getting some instruction in one of these methods ultimately doesn't necessitate the use of insurance. And by that, I mean that the couple, the woman doesn't ultimately feel like, Oh, this was a big expense. I really wish that I could have, could have used you know, I could have paid a deductible for this or, you know, that this was a lot. I think most people ultimately end up thinking, oh yeah, it really wouldn't have necessitated, necessitated that help. Right. And, and when you think, again, we didn't talk about specific costs in this series um, for a couple of reasons. One, um, a lot of methods allow instructors to charge their own prices. Um, And so we didn't want to throw anybody off with prices. Um, but also we would like this to go on in, in pepper perpetuity. Oh my gosh. This word is not coming. Perpetuity. Perpetuity. That's the word I was looking for. (laughs) 
Wow. Um, and so, you know, prices change, inflation happens, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but what I could, I feel like I can pretty confidently say is that you're not, if you think about the deductible on your health insurance, which maybe is $500, $1,000, you're not going to be spending that much money on learning a method. Like, right. You would never reach it. You'd you never would reach never reach your deductible. Your deductible. <laughs> so, yeah. So just know that. And again, those numbers may be, maybe you're listening to this and it's been a decade since I put this episode out and those numbers don't make any sense. Hopefully I will have just redone this episode if we get to that point. <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's move on to question number three. Uh, how would you most like to chart? Uh, and some examples, paper charts, app on your phone, online charting, Maybe this is a question that doesn't matter to you at all. Um, and that's okay too. One of the things that we did ask all of the instructors in the methods um, that we had on was, you know, what are the charting kind of requirements um, for your method? And most methods, it seemed, had both a paper and an online option. Um, some of those were apps. Some of those were apps specific to that method. Um, some of them were just open to, depending on the instructor, open to other apps like read my body or, um, or is it read your body? I think it's read my body. Your body. Is it read your body? Well, I'm going to link them in the, I'll link them in the show notes, whatever the correct name of that is. Um, (laughs) and Kindara, um, those are some popular ones. So some methods allow those. Um, some methods require you to be on paper charts for a certain amount of time, um, until you are at a certain level of autonomy or a certain number of cycles. Um, and so that's just something to think about if you, maybe you're already charting, maybe you haven't learned a method yet, but you're already charting with an app and you want to keep charting with that app. Talk to the instructor. And, um, and ask them, Hey, is this an app I can use with the method that you teach? Um, and they can help you out with that. I think another, another really basic way to ask this question. So if you don't think you have an opinion on this, right? right? Like I haven't started charting. I don't really know what I would prefer. I mean, what, what do you want me to do? What should I, I don't know what's best. I think a really simple way to ask this question is, do you keep a paper planner or an online calendar to organize your life. Ooh. Because people feel really strongly about one or the other. Like some people just are like, I'm not doing Google calendar. Like I'm, or I will do it, but I'm still going to write everything down on paper because that's just how I live. You know, so I think, I think that's a big consideration because people do feel really strongly about, about how they keep their lives organized. That is a very good question to ask. I think it's probably not like an ultimatum because I'll be honest with you, Ellen, I have a paper calendar sitting here right next to me, but I chart on my phone. So (laughs) you're ambidextrous, but but I think that's a really good question to ask yourself or, or think about like when you go into a meeting at work or, or you go into a class at school, are you taking notes on your computer or -hmm. are you taking notes in a notebook? Yep. Um, you know, what is the way that you like to digest information? Um, do you like seeing it all 
out on one nice piece of paper, or do you like the convenience and, you know, just like the backups of the online? What do you like best? Do you want to chart in both? Maybe you want to chart on your phone and on paper. I have, I have had clients who do that. Me too. If you want to do that, great. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Anything else on kind of how, how you want to chart? Hmm. I think sometimes uh, people will get worried about traveling. So like an interruption to their routine, Mm. how am I going to stick to this one way of charting? Um, so I think that is a consideration. Like how, how would you feel about having to bring a paper chart with you when you travel? Or it, is it like, oh, well, thank goodness. I just, I just need my phone. That's all I need. I'm, I'm good to go. I don't need to consider anything else when I go somewhere. So I would just say, I mean, that may matter to you too. Right. If you, well, and if you travel a lot, um, or maybe you live in a couple of different places, um, or you're just, you're just moving around a lot. Yeah. Maybe that paper chart isn't going to be the best choice because Mm -hmm. if you accidentally leave it at one place or another, then you don't have it with you. Um, that's a good, that's a very good point. All right. Question number four, how committed are you to charting? Now little caveat here, charting does not, regardless of the method, charting does not take a lot of time once you have, uh, really started to feel confident in your observations, but some methods do require a bit more effort or time. Um, and those are going to be your methods that have a cross check. So a symptothermal method that has a couple of things to chart. So you're charting temperature and the mucus sign, um, and a symptohormonal method. Um, in some cases as you can have a, a protocol with a symptohormonal method that, um, really relies only on, um, the monitor readings or the LH test strip readings, as well as mucus. Um, sometimes like we learned with Boston Crosscheck, you can actually have all three. You can add in the thermometer and have lots of things to crosscheck. So, um, think about those kind of things when you are thinking about like, what is your day to day? What, when do you want to chart? Do you want to just, you know, be thinking about your, um, sensation all day long and just write it down right at the end of the day, um, and then be done charting, or do you want to have a couple of extra things to cross check? And you don't mind taking that extra minute again, it's not like a huge amount of extra time, but depending on the type of person you are, depending on the schedule that you have, um, that might make a difference for you. What else? I mean, I'd agree. I, th- I think really it is, it, it's important to ask yourself, like, you know, this kind of leads into how much data would you like? Right. Am right. I, am I wanting to just make some decisions about this at a couple key points during the day? Or, you know, am I, am I going to be looking all day long to make a final decision in the evening? I mean, what, yeah. How, how do I want this to be integrated into my life? And it's okay for it to be, you know, a personality thing. Right. I think about that a lot. I mean, it, sh- it really should match, you know, something you're comfortable with doing something you can integrate into your lifestyle, something that suits your personality that that's, that matters. Right. Well, I think this is a great segue into, I'm going to reorganize the questions on our list because this is such a great segue into the question of how much data would you like? Mm-hmm. 
And I think, I think this is going to be a really defining question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, this is big. Because as we learned in the previous episodes, some methods have one sign that is charted. Some methods don't even encourage you to touch your mucus. That would be Billings, if you remember. (laughs) Um, Like some methods are so just simplified into one sign. And maybe that's where you want to hang out. You're like, yes. One sign sounds amazing to me. I don't have to think about anything else. That's amazing. Now you might be listening to me say that and go, how could I only have information from one sign that doesn't feel comfortable to me? That's fine. That's why we have other types of methods that have what's called a cross check. So that would be um, a symptothermal method with the mucus symptom and the thermometer um, or a symptohormonal method, which has, um, the, the symptom of mucus, as well as, um, the luteinizing hormone, um, or hormonal metabolites in your urine as it's specifically, uh, called. So what, what would make you feel the most comfortable? Would too much data be overwhelming or would not enough data be concerning? All of these methods have been, you know, have their evidence-based methods. They have been researched. All of them have very high efficacy rates. We know that they work. This question is really about how do you feel the most confident? How do you, how does your brain work? What do you, what do you want? What do you think you want? Yeah. So, and, and a lot of this comes, this also sort of begs the question of like, well, why do I need formal instruction? And that's a good question too, because a lot of people say, you know, is it wrong that, you know, I know a bit about this. I'm just making some notes. And it's like, well, no, but there's so much value in having those guidelines of knowing the rules, like what opens the window. Oh, peak plus three. Now the fertile window is closed. You do need to have some instruction at some point to help you understand what these guidelines are what is in bounds of normal and out of bounds to be abnormal as we talked about earlier. But yeah, to, to know really um, how to best use the data, it's, it's not really something you're gonna be able to just Google or feel out on your own. That's right. that, you know, is it, is it a moral wrong to just say, I don't feel strongly about avoiding a pregnancy or achieving one? Um, you know, I, I don't really want this formal instruction. I mean, no, that's, that's not wrong. But if you want help, you want the complete picture, you're going to need to have some of this instruction to just tell you, um, you know, just how to open and close that fertile window. I mean, that's really the main thing that an instructor and a formal program of teaching is going to give you an education in. Absolutely. Well, and it's important to mention that, you know, the efficacy rates of all of these methods again, are very high. They're somewhere in the range, usually of like 95 to 99.9% effective, which is extremely effective. Um, That's based on uh, people who have learned from an instructor. Um, Mm. That's not based on people who have uh, just learned the method from a PDF or a book. Um, And, but again, yeah, there's no moral wrong to, well, I just, I just kind of want the information, 
but I, I'm not, neither here nor there on avoiding a pregnancy or achieving a pregnancy. And, um, you know, that's fine. If, if you fall into that category, like that's fine. But we're talking about, you know, if you're trying to learn a fertility awareness based method to use NFP, um, in your marriage to space or try to achieve a pregnancy at a specific time, um, you're going to need to learn from an instructor. I'm just going to, I'm going to give you that ultimatum right there. Yeah. yeah, It's a question that comes up a lot. Like, you know, do I have to do it this way? And, you know, well, and I can say from personal experience, I, I learned from a PDF online Mm -hmm. and it was awful. And like, we, oh, we did not understand what was going on because we weren't able to ask questions. You can't ask a PDF questions. Um, and we didn't feel confident in the signs that I was charting. We didn't feel confident in the rules. Um, and, and therefore abstained a whole lot more than we needed to. And I don't want that to be the case for anybody. So please go learn from an instructor. (laughs) I I had a similar experience. So I picked up the, I, I don't know if it's famous or maybe infamous taking charge of your fertility. I think it's a little of both. <laughs> I think it is a little bit of both because it's great. It teaches you a lot. It was really my introduction to all of this. And I'm, I'm really mm-hmm. grateful that that book exists and that you can pick it up and, and run with it really. But in my case, I really couldn't make heads or tails of what I was charting because there was dysfunction there that I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. And I was muddling through doing a lot of guesswork, trying to figure out what I was seeing. But if I had opted into some formal instruction sooner, I, I would have figured out that, you know, there's something going on here. It's not you not understanding a method. It's, it's that there's something that, that needs to be addressed. And I, I right. think a lot sooner. Well, I just, you know, done that. Yeah. And I think something important to mention is that you, we talked about the medical management component of two specific methods of FEM and, um, the Creighton model. Um, and while, while most other methods don't have a specific, you know, medical management component where there are physicians that are trained to look at your charts and be able to diagnose from your charts. Um, so while that doesn't exist in most other methods, what instructors are trained in, in, I would say all methods are, you know, what are some red flags? And while they can't necessarily diagnose what's going on, they can be like, Hey, this, this is not typical, um, for a cycle. And so this is something I would suggest you go talk to either your doctor, or they may have a specific doctor that they'll refer you to that they know is, um, you know, kind of pro NFP, (laughs) Because we know there's a lot of doctors who aren't, um, or they can also suggest, you know, Hey, you, you might want to talk to your doctor about, um, getting your progesterone levels checked, um, and things like that. So they can, they can suggest things for you to look into. They again, can't diagnose. Um, that's not what an instructor is, is trained or qualified to do. Um, but they are trained to be able to just kind of see red flags and help you. Like if you had a situation like Ellen number two, um, (laughs) where, you know, you, you didn't understand the chart because there was some sort of an abnormality, an instructor would, would have been able to see that regardless of the method and say, Oh, Hey, you should probably go ask some questions about that or get that checked out. 
Thanks so much for listening. As I mentioned, this is just part one of our discerning methods episode. Um, Part two is also available. So please go and check out part two. We decided to split this into two episodes so that they were a little bit more digestible chunks for you. As always, if you are not following us on Instagram, be sure to check out Charting Toward Intimacy on Instagram at Charting Toward Intimacy. And if you ever have any questions, comments, or episode topic ideas, please reach out to me via email or on Instagram and links to those are in the show notes. Until next time.